We are live. Nice. Uh, yes, so, intros. I was messing around. You may or may not, whoever's listened to this, Jesse, uh, listen to a sweet little intro guitar tune. You probably won't hear it because... Uh, maybe I'll throw it at the end because I don't want it to be the actual intro. Uh, I actually <laughs> don't know if we want an intro. Um, but uh, I, th- I think it's a good idea. Um, the main reason I haven't, like, try to make one already is just because I, I don't have uh like my computer doesn't have the equipment um, the stuff on it right now yeah, yeah. Um, um no honestly what what song was it um dum, dum, dum. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to it's a it's a good song uh, all right I can't remember. here maybe maybe I believe you it, maybe you'll I'll do a live little show here. Um, Ooh, all right. This is awkward as hell standing up. Let's um, do this here. Boom. Uh, this is the chords. It's, you're not, it's like, it's not, uh, it's not coming through properly because it's like. Oh, that's so sad. I think you, there's, there's probably like a minimum amount of decibels oh. that is required to go through i think you're cutting off yes, something i i have you my, just hear my uh compression like that's, it's interesting because it's going to come through on my end because oh actually maybe it won't uh because uh, i don't know i don't know maybe, maybe you'll just get some awkward silence in that recording so if that was i was playing this <laughs> sweet guitar tune actually here's what i'll do i will i will put it in i'll put this recording into Win, uh, Winamp, whatever. Then I'll I'll edit my recording in over top. I'll edit like John Mayer playing or something like that, and then it'll be great. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Dope. Um. Damn. Oh, I really wish I knew the name yeah, of the song. Uh. That was a very long-winded. I did accomplish nothing in that two minutes we were just talking. But. <laughs> but do we ever? Is the real yeah, question. Exactly. Um. That's why like the the workaholics guys. Their podcast name is This Is Important, but. They only ever talk about things that aren't important, so it's just like, damn, we should have we should have stole that name. Nice, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, just talking to Austin. Gonna get a coffee order up here, down here, sideways. I don't know, lateral move for coffee. Um, nice. beans. Yeah, and then we were just chatting, going into like journaling and stuff like that. He does that too. I do it too. I was like, damn, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, he's been doing that for a while now, like pretty pretty religiously. Yeah, no, and I mean, like he just posted this uh, picture. He looks freaking amazing you know like yeah hey, he's looking great <clears throat> super buff it was he sent me this picture of he he like added a dip bar to his uh farmer's market trailer thing that oh he sells God, coffee that's at. awesome he's just like doing dips whenever he's not selling coffee and for <laughs> those local to Kelowna, jesse the one audience member wood roasted coffee co at the farmer's market near you Get your wood roasted coffee there. We are That's not right. really a sponsored by them. Well, actually, we are. No, they are an official sponsor of this podcast. Yep. yep. So is John Mayer and um, Fender Guitars. Yeah, thanks, Fender. That they're. I mean, they're the ones what really. What do we do without giving them? us a lot of cash? Yeah. We'd have to have day jobs. Yeah, I mean, our writers in the back room—they're always, you know, telling us, "Hey, you gotta shout out your sponsors a bit more." But what, what can we do, right? Yeah, shout out to our writers for sure. Um, yeah. what else you got, dude? Lots. <laughs> that wasn't even on the list, man. That was that was the precursor to the list that I wrote. Uh, 
precursor to the precursor. Yes, that was the prequel. Will. I listen to our podcast, uh, but I only ever listen to podcasts on two times speed. So when I listened to it on like normal speed, I was like, oh my God, I sound terrible. <laughs> you know what though? I, I have that feeling whenever, I, even with like really professional podcasts, whenever I'm listening to them at one time speed, I'm like, oh man, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're so slow. Yeah. It's, it's actually <laughs> annoying. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough going back after you listen to it at times too. Oh, and at times too, we actually sound like maybe we have like a pretty good flow going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the that's time, the thing. That's the thing. Right? Dead time it's, just disappears. At times actually, too, it's nice. You probably could put it through like one of those like race, like gets rid of any like zero, like anytime there's silence, it just cuts it. You'd have to get like some kind of weird cutting though, if sounds coming through. Like that probably wouldn't be, I don't know. You could probably do it. Maybe, although <laughs> like um, I think it's Google Podcasts that, that has that option. You can just turn oh. it on. Uh, and it cuts out all the dead time. Anything that's below a certain decibel right. range just gets cut out. Interesting. That's yeah. That might be kind of cool to look at. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if any. Like, I've never heard of anybody doing that with their podcasts. Right. Like initially, but if that was something that we had a problem with, which I don't know if we've had too many pauses. I know, Jesse. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Like we had a we had a nice pause right after that. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what's in uh, your list? Let's okay. let's hear it. My list. So I'm reading this book right now. Um, I finished this book called Deep Work. Then I read this book from Matthew McConaughey called Green Lights, which I would also really recommend. Um, none of that has to do with this next mm. book called Um, So Good They Can't Ignore You, and uh, it has this interesting philosophy where, like, there's that saying where it's like follow your passion, right? Like that's what a lot of people say. Go after your passion. Um, this book basically shits all over that and it does so like in a really interesting way. The idea of the book is that you you essentially become so good at your job that they can't ignore you. And and the premise is that um, he makes a distinguish, in, distinguish between passion versus career capital, which is pretty interesting. So it's like the longer that you're in a career or the longer that you're working at something, it's almost like as if you're building up equity in that career, right? Like you're investing in yourself in that skill set. And eventually, if you keep working and learning, not just if you just like stay complacent or whatever, but if you actually keep working and you're being put to the test over and over again, your career capital will rise. And those are the people that generally uh, succeed in their career or other areas of their life. I found that really interesting because like the passion thing I've you know heard for a while and, and I think there's merit to that as well. I think the best combination is if you're passionate about something that you also like pick as your career that also actually works out. Um, but there's a few examples in the book where like there's the person that went after the passion, they like quit their well-paying job to like start writing books and stuff like that. Uh, it went somewhat well. And then, you know, 2008 hit and just killed the entire industry. And they were basically left versus there's the other guy at the same time kept on with that job, made it to high levels, of success and then eventually was able to like retire kind of a bit early and then have all those other like, nice things in the end anyway i just thought it was an interesting thing i'd willing to get your thoughts on what you think about that yeah um i've i'm not sure who like initially said this but I, um i've heard before that passion is a finite resource and um so you can't like if you choose to just like give up everything and follow your passion, 
like passion will run out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you need to be really, really passionate, but like passion doesn't, it doesn't equal success. Um, you really need, you need hard work really. It's, it's like being able to work through not being passionate is really more important than being passionate. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's also a lot of people that just aren't particularly passionate about anything. <laughs> and I think a lot of those people can still succeed. It's just, it doesn't have to do with, um, necessarily um following your passion also there are a lot of jobs that i think are quite fulfilling that are not necessarily like like dream jobs yeah like i i, I think a, a person that is an electrician for instance like trades especially where you can be proud of your work and you can be good at your job um but then your job doesn't define you the same way. Mm. You can still have a life outside of your job. Definitely. Um, I think, like, I think those people are actually potentially the happiest. Um, where you have something that you you do and you're proud of it. Maybe it's not the most fun work, but at the end of the day, you feel like you've accomplished something and you've made a, a decent amount of money, so that you can invest in hobbies and mm -hmm. family and and uh, you know live comfortably. One of the things the book actually goes into as well at the beginning, which is a point that I kind of missed, but was um, trying to track me times I say um to I do quite a bit is there's a tendency that when people get in their jobs and let's say they're not passionate about it right away, but they just keep at it, their happiness kind of goes because you're, you're getting better at your job. Therefore, your work is getting less and less annoying, essentially. And as long as you don't get promoted to outside of your competency level, the book goes into saying, if you stick with it, essentially, you will eventually find that, that happiness because you're getting so good at it that it's just, you don't mind it, right? Then you can start focusing on the other areas of that, that job. That's right. Yeah, competence feels good. Feels really good. And um, I think a lot of people... Uh, definitely quit before they get to that point. Or I think, I think too, what, what I see quite often is in many of my jobs, not just programming, but in restaurants and retail, people have a tendency to promote others when they're doing a good job, which isn't a bad thing. However, if you promote somebody so much, eventually they're going to be promoted to a position where they're not good at what they're being told to do essentially. And that to me is a very interesting thing because I see it more, a lot in programming where people become good at their jobs and then the, the company is like, I want you to become a team leader. But the person isn't a team lead. You know, they can't interact with people on their team. They can't manage those people. So then all of a sudden their performance starts slipping and then they start to hate their job because they're doing things they just don't like. I've mm -hmm. actually seen people uh, demote themselves essentially to back to just being a developer because that's like where they're, not in passion, but that's just what they, they like being competent at. They like showing up and they like crushing it. And I think what you said was really important about the fulfilling part is fulfilling isn't just like saving the world or something like that. Like you can have your own definition of it, right? Perhaps your electrician example there, if you're just really proud of what you're doing, you're doing a good job like that, that could be, it's fulfilling in its own right. It doesn't have to necessarily be like, you know, saving children or some crap like that. Or not that that's... <laughs> Some, <laughs> some bullshit like yeah. saving kids or some, some shit stupid thing like caring for others come on 
Oh, I mean, electricians are important. Every like a lot of those jobs are super important, and people need them. Um, I think even yeah, even if know, you were just... to take like a fast food sort of thing, like there were some burgers that I was proud of be, of making. You know, like I was like, this is whoever is gonna eat this, and I actually thought about this quite a few times. It was just like sometimes like, just randomly you'd get that spur, and I was just like, I'm gonna make this burger the best burger this person has ever made in their life. This is going to look like eight. the picture on, on the board. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's maybe the cheese is just placed perfectly. You get the whole spread of ketchup. You know, it's not just like you're slapped together. And, like, I like to think that that person is is still thinking about that burger to this day. <laughs> that was a peak in their life. Exactly. Getting that burger. Yeah, man. No, totally. I think, um, I mean, it, it also kind of comes down to, like, how we're getting into like kind of lame territory, but just like happiness in general, um, that it kind of needs to come from within that it can't, your happiness cannot be defined by your environment or your characteristics Mm -hmm. because all those things are fleeting and could be taken away from you at any point. Um, you know, like you said, the economy can crash and your job's gone. And if your job has been your defining characteristic, your whole life, like if you're like, I am a, programmer you know yeah and now i can't now that's not me anymore you know i can't do that or i don't know if i could break your hands or something yeah um you'd probably still find a way but um that stuff can happen and it shouldn't it shouldn't affect you like your your job and the, the things that i've i've definitely found myself realizing how insecure i am about certain things yeah um, and you realize you're like, oh man, like I've been clearly defining myself by this characteristic and I shouldn't be because this is just some, you know, this is one, one part of me that like, I, I shouldn't care what other people think. Yeah. <clears throat> That's um, a great, uh, kind of mini segue into this. One of the points I wrote down too. um, again, there's another, um, fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, just replace all your uh, replace yeah. all your ums with fucks just with silence <laughs> and fuck and well it's funny because in toastmasters there's a guy whose role is the grunt grammarians that writes down right. i guess cat is cat still doing that yeah yeah it's pretty killing it i, I love it like man several um like speeches and, and speeches oh, yeah and i was the chairman want... of the of the meeting last time and i was like i got no idea what i'm doing man <laughs> it was fun though yeah i feel it, uh... when i talk to people or if i'm saying a story i almost feel like subconsciously i'm getting better at the beginning middle and ends which is really right. cool for me i feel like i'm becoming a better storyteller jesse you can that's great know. that's really great um yeah she just did a, a um a speech on wim hof oh cool yeah. yeah i did uh one very similar to that based on getting uncomfortable and cold showers and all that kind of stuff which right. is ironic because shortly after that i kind of stopped doing my really really cold showers <laughs> Whatever. Still doing them uh, for like four to five minutes after every warm shower, but I just oh, well, cannot. That's, yeah, that's basically how long my showers are now. Yeah, now that exactly. I don't have hair, man. <laughs> well, it's like, probably extra cold. Oh yeah. Well, actually, it's easier because you don't have to like ah. stay under and try to get the shampoo out of your hair. Yes, right? and also it's you don't hardest. have that cold water dripping down your back for like longer. Yeah, yeah. Good, it's, good it's actually like. Way faster because, like, before I my showers were like, yeah, like five, six minutes or something. Um, I mean, still doing cold showers, yeah, right? Yeah, like before cold showers, my showers are way fucking longer. 
Now with cold showers, it was like five, six minutes. Now it's like three minutes, two minutes. It's so fast because you just cover yourself in soap, jump in the water, mm -hmm. done. No, it's a, that's a good idea. I love when I used to, when I used to buzz my head. Um, I never chrome domed it like you did. I really kind of wanted to try that, but I think when I'm a bit older, my receding yeah. hairline is receding or yeah. more, you know, more clear. Yeah. Uh, back <laughs> to our original, original thing. There's this guy, this author named Michael Bernard Besquith. Do you know him? Uh, sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, but... he's he's kind of more into like the Christian Christianity sort of thing, more about God, whatever else. But my counselor. <laughs> Brent, here's another one of those like like god or some shit you know but uh he came good. with or i don't know if he came up with it but one of the things that he says my counselor told me is i accept this or something better and that to me has been like a really interesting mantra that i've just like kept in my head over the past like few weeks we're just like if you think that you're because we were talking before about you know feeling like you know not up to spec or like uh you're maybe not as happy you're you're trying to like feel that but if you just if you just like kind of accept whatever your position is or something better you're putting yourself in a good position where you're just like you know i accept the circumstances i accept whatever da, 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 or something better right or if you're trying to chase something it's like i don't need this if i if i lose this thing it will not define what makes me happy essentially right mm -hmm. and so you you don't need these things from the world so you don't come off as a needy person you're just totally content with how things are or something better and i was like that is an awesome thing to like just mm -hmm. kind of have keep going in your head you know yeah <clears throat> yeah i just recently listened to uh meditations by marcus aurelius yeah um, cool audible um, he's or he's was um a uh, roman emperor but he was uh also like one of the one of the greatest um stoic philosophers gotcha so he's not some dude around today no <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah just on like stoicism basically which is right. all based like based on well happiness from within but uh just accepting everything and not getting too emotionally involved in anything and just letting it be going with the flow <laughs> yeah you're not really trying to force stuff you know um, you're just kind of accepting things as they come but you know you're open to only things that are better than you know yeah what you, what you need <clears throat> yeah so I mean, when I came, so it was one thing that I realized my life was lacking was that I was very much living for my goals rather than any, rather than enjoying the moment. Oh, perfect. Um, and so that's why I decided to go to Guelph and I was like, I'm just going to go with the flow and any opportunities I'm, I'm going to like, like seek out opportunities, but any opportunities to come my way, I'm going to go for I'm them. Yes, man. It. I'm just going to basically yes, man. It. Um, and try to just live in the moment and, and if I fail, it's okay. And if I, anywhere I succeed, I just, you know, just keep going with the flow and it's worked out incredibly well for me. <laughs> um, because like first thing, like before I even went to golf, I applied for a couple, um, like student jobs, uh, on campus. And right. when I got to golf, I was like so anxious and freaked out because <clears throat> it was the first time being on my own too. Yeah. And uh, and then I got a call, I got a, like a an email being like, hey, you want to come for an interview? And I was like, no, I don't. But but yes, but I was I'm like, going I gotta to. live. I gotta I gotta do it. Gotta seek out the opportunity. And that was my. So then I got I got the job. Um, even though they were looking for like zoologist majors, and I was in neuroscience. Um, 
but I sent them all these pictures I'd taken with my phone of various animals. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, and they were really impressed with them. They were like, okay. And it was, the job was as a imaging um, assistant. I remember that. Uh, for the uh, genomics like project that's going on there. It, there's this huge building, the, the center for biodiversity genomics. And they do barcoding of all these, like all of life basically. So I just took pictures of bugs, which was, Really fun, really cool. Looks great on my resume. Was not a big time commitment. It was just like a few <laughs> hours a week. Yeah. Um, and gave me some extra cash. And that was one job where I became competent pretty quick. Um, so I felt good about it. I felt good about going in, getting my my little little bit of work done. Yeah. Um, provided yeah, it was just like a nice little stable thing to have going on in the background. And. And then, yeah, the, like opportunities just kind of kept rolling from there. Um, I applied for a URA. And I got What's it. What's that? Uh, an undergraduate research assistantship right. uh, with the lab that I'm in now. Right. Um, I mean, the professor was straight up just like, oh, you have like electrical engineering background? Like, honestly, I'm looking for URAs that want to do like grad school <laughs> yeah. afterwards. And I was like, sure, go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, why not? And then he was like, you know, you don't really have to do a master's. And I was like, sure, I could just go with flow. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in a PhD. And he, I mean, at that point, he's just telling me what to apply for. Yeah. <laughs> and I just apply for anything he tells me to. And you, got, you found your mentor. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just worked out really well. I, I like you cannot just sit and wait for things like that to happen. Obviously, like you need to seek out opportunities. Yeah. Um, but being willing to just accept all those opportunities mm -hmm. and kind of go out um, on a limb and, and, and never regret anything, just kind of just roll with it. Yeah, that was very similar to uh, the speech that I wrote about luck sort of thing. And you just basically put exactly what... So like if I was to read your book right now, which you're going to write eventually cause, and it's going to be awesome when you do, uh, people are going <laughs> to have in the comments be like, oh man, you're so lucky that you got those opportunities. You're so lucky, da, 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 da. But ultimately I would counter and be like, no man, he moved across the world, across Canada, to a position where he had nothing. How was that lucky, right? And then all of a sudden, you made the decision to accept something that just went your way. That's not luck. You know, you made that decision, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you could argue that luck was in the acceptance of these things. And sure, maybe. But at the same time, like even your your engineering degree, you know, all of that kind of stuff. That I'm sure that guy probably took all that into account and be like, well, he's obviously pretty smart, you know. And so it's... It's really neat to me when, when I hear that because I'm just like, oh, that that's that is not just like you can attribute to just like doing this or just doing that or it's just luck or or whatever. But it's like, no, man, like you're making opportunities. You're 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 allowing these doors to open. If you just stay home all day, how are you going to find new doors to go through? Right. That's right. I, yeah, I guess like if you if you think about like. It, it would be lucky to get four heads in a row if you're flipping a coin. Yes. Right. Um, but you gotta be flipping the coin in order to get yeah. If you flip the coin fifty times, you're gonna get like a shitload of wins. You know, yeah. you sure if you dwell on the losses, that's <clears throat> that's up to you. But like that's the the whole thing that really stuck with me from this book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, where the stat that he was told was, oh, well, why are you doing that? Don't you know that one out of ten businesses or nine out of ten <clears throat> businesses fail? He's like, really? That's it? All I have to do is start ten businesses, and one yeah. of them should take off. And I was like that is the mindset that I need to switch to, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, screw these odds. I'm just going to put myself in as many positions 
where I can flip that coin, right? The people that like I go into the, the speech goes into like the people that I find are the luckiest are also some of the most positive people I meet. The people that I find are the most unlucky are some of the ne most negative people that I meet that I know, right? And it makes sense because you know as much as I don't really believe in like karma and like other worlds and just for like other like energies and stuff like that, I do believe that there is a reason that happy people are like generally more positive and more positive things come their way or maybe the way that they just look at things if they always look at it through a positive sunglass they're just going to be a more positive person right and they're going to attract that people that are like-minded or or positive and i really quite like that way of thinking yeah i mean i mean on a similar note i mean i just happier people are more employable and more more fun to be around one thing one thing that i've realized or that that probably realized like way later than i should have is that my ability to work with anybody in a lab setting or any kind of setting is probably a bigger asset than anything else i have mm -hmm. like even at the highest level um professors and like grad students there are people that are impossible to like that are really really negative or really really like cutthroat yeah um or just like very easy to anger yeah and um it's it's incredible how much of a problem that creates for one like there's people being kicked out of labs and there's people that are being like moved around and right trying politics to, like trying to cope yeah there's all this politics going on and like the fact that i'm just like kind of laid back and don't mind working with and, and that I can even work with those people is a huge asset. Like it's insane how many people are just stuck up. Yeah. They <laughs> just have an ego hard to work with. I mean, those people don't, you know, that they, they won't move up the same way because I, I mean, having an ego is fine, but um, just that negativity, people that have that like very sarcastic negativity. Yeah. Um, be really hard to work with those types of people because they kind of drag you down for sure and and they usually blame things for them for mm -hmm. their um they don't take any ownership uh, misfortune yeah they don't take any ownership over their misfortune or their um their negative experiences and uh yeah people don't like complainers like no definitely not people want positive and, and to be a leader you can't be that kind of person yeah exactly one of the two of the like most important things I read one I just forgot but um was like <laughs> this book from Jocko Willink who's like a Navy SEAL guy you probably heard of him he's pretty popular mm. on Joe and all that kind of crap but um he has a book called Extreme Ownership and it essentially goes into like just no matter what happens in your life you can probably take ownership for every single thing that happens right even if there is something that you know completely random doesn't even affect you at all you could probably still find a way to like take ownership of it and just like practice that skill set and when you're a leader, like one of the biggest, like if you look at a leader in a company or some other thing, if you, if somebody under you does something bad and you get mad at them, like that is the most toxic thing that could possibly happen because now you have this thing where this person doesn't want to get yelled at for doing something wrong. So therefore, if they commit another thing, chances are they're not going to tell you about it and that's just going to damage way more down the line. Second of all, if you don't take ownership, like like if they're under you, you are technically in, in charge of every single thing that they're doing. So at the same time, it's like you can own their mistake and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I should have communicated this to you in a different way. Or I'm sorry, like we should have had more training before, you know, this was given to you. Like, like that sort of mindset, right? 
I don't think ego, like every single person in the world has an ego. I think the people that have the best type of egos, like they're, they're playing such a higher level of games, you know, like, like they know that the argument that you're dealing with right now or whatever's at hand isn't actually like, doesn't matter. Right. Like I see that all the time with like friends that I know that have like drama and stuff like that. And it's like, man, this, this is like, like, this doesn't matter. Like, like, I don't, I don't have time to argue about like this or that, or like, you know, somebody was apologizing to me because, or somebody's like, oh man, uh, I heard that this came up and, and I'm like, sorry that this happened. And I was like, oh dude, like I don't even like, know. I like, that's not even a thing that's on my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And I find that those people are like, you can get so much value from them working with them because all they care about is either like the project's end goals or like becoming a better person or just kind of pushing themselves to the next level versus the small kind of crap that kind of gets in the way, you know, speed bumps every here and there. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely like get kind of upset about something, but um, well, I'm generally not one to like dig and, and make it worse. Yeah. Um, but also um, when I sleep, like next morning i'm a blank slate yeah exactly like nothing could ever last more than a day for me in terms of like i'm kind of like yeah drama well that's why if i'm ever in a relationship Um, and i'm in an argument like it i almost need it to be resolved like that day because i'm the very same like i'll wake up and i'll just be like okay nothing happens but their chances are not going to be like that (laughs) i honestly I, i i I don't want to generalize and say it's like a female thing, but <laughs> <laughs> girls can hold grudges, man. And if they go to bed mad, they wake up mad. Well, I did read this thing, or I didn't. I heard this thing back in a Bible camp from all places, Green Bay, uh, with Max Sweater, actually. And uh, yes. it was his last name. Whoops. And <laughs> um, it was it was a very simple concept, and it, of course, it doesn't apply to you know genders and all that kind of stuff. But for the like you said, generalization sort of thing, it kind of does. <laughs> And the way it's explained was girls have, uh, guys have a waffle brain, right? Where it's like, there's all these squares and like you fill up syrup with one of them and it doesn't affect the rest of the brain, right? And then you just jump to the next square and then it's empty. But girls have like a spaghetti brain where if you put like a little bit of sauce on like one noodle, the entire (laughs) fucking thing is now covered in sauce, right? Right. And I was like, that is so funny how... (laughs) like accurate that kind of is you know like not trying to generalize here but at yeah. the same time it's just like that's hilarious because i i literally from that point on there's certain places where i'm just like like even like to this day i'll just think it'll be like oh time to jump to the next waffle square you know yeah yeah but that being said on the other side is i think because of guys are able to car com com car compartmentalize yes that uh compartmentalize um eventually your waffles can run out of squares. And if you don't deal with any of those things, you're going to start overflowing. And that's like, I've actually felt that a little bit a couple of years ago, which yeah. is like, yeah. if you, if you never address any of your issues, then you're going to like, not yeah, like if you think of a baby, like a... right. A baby experiences every single emotion to the fullest, no matter what. So if it's mad, it's going to fucking scream its head off. If it's happy, it's just going to laugh. As you get older, you either learn through experiences or whatnot to shut those things down, especially men, you know, they don't, you know, crying or, or expressing emotions is a sign of weakness, which is super unhealthy. And so you get these people that suppress those emotions. They never really feel sad. They just kind of say, next, move on, move on, move on. Right. And so it's also not a healthy way, but I yeah. think I would rather prefer it <laughs> than the alternative. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like every once in a while, I'll just have like a breakdown day. 
yeah. I'll just be, and I'll, I'll be like, I don't even really know why I'm so like sad right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you just kind of get it out of your system. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you shouldn't like suppress everything. Although I think there are healthy ways of suppressing things or not, maybe, maybe not suppressing, but kind of accepting things. Yeah. I think, so my counselor kind of has like, this is kind of like all that we talk about essentially. And like, so whenever you feel like upset, mad or whatever, so there's like kind of like a few stages. If you were like me and you're basically like a robot, like there's at one point in my life where I basically just shut off like all emotion where I just like, like anything that happened to me, I'm just, I don't, I don't care. You know, like, it's just like, I would just move to the next square right away, whether it's happy, sad or whatever. It's just like, just next thing, next thing, next thing. So first of all, you kind of have to like address that and like get back to the whole, like, you know, feel some stuff. Right. Then after that, it's knowing why you feel a certain way. And so, and that's where like all the deep, like heavy work is like the emotional work, right? Where it's just like somebody does something to you and you get pissed off. And then you write down like in a journal, you're like, why? Like, where did this come from? Like, why did this thing? And more often than not, it's going to be like some weird childhood thing that you're just like, oh shit, I felt that same way there. And that is like Mm -hmm. your brain essentially moving from that position, right? And, and like your brain, once two neurons are firing, you have to work to like remove those essentially, right? You got to get rid of that highway. Or else whenever that happens, you're going to get those same feelings, which is why a lot of people like that were abused or like whatever, have the same triggers and whatnot. And that's why you can have like a, an anger management course is because it's very similarly the same things that happen over and over again. If that's all you observe, that's the way that you will behave. So it's, it's really interesting when you do that. And like now I've, I've done so much work on myself for the past like year or whatever that like, I'm pretty good at catching my triggers and stuff like that. And so like, if somebody says something to me and I get like upset I know, okay, I have the ability to like slow down and just think about it before I act versus before I would just like do something and just like, you know, respond right away or retaliate or do whatever. Uh, but now it's just like, no, no, like I can kind of hold it. Or if it's something happy or sad, I'll almost like give myself the permission to like fully experience it and be like, oh man, this is like, I should feel happy that this happened, right? I should feel sad because this is a sad time. I, I'm not just going to shut it down and like deal with it later sort of thing. So it's right. an interesting techniques that like you learn through counseling, just like, reading books about like how emotional intelligence and all that kind of stuff works. It's, it's really interesting to me. Yeah, man. I, I have like a, a, an interesting philosophy just in terms of like, and I, it's one of the reasons I think I'm pretty good at um, being around people that maybe other people find it more difficult to be around. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, but um, there's a few books that have uh, inspired me quite a bit. Um, one being uh, in the realm of the hungry ghosts, one by Gabor Mate, and that's it's about like um, opioid addiction in Vancouver. Mm. Um, and Behave by Robert Spolsky, really good one, just on how the brain works and how it's influenced, and um, it's another really interesting one. And um, The Moral Landscape is another one by Sam Harris, is another one. Um, but basically, that uh because we are like every person is is kind of a we are the result of our genetics and our environment mm-hmm. um we can't really be at fault for anything we we do like just the idea that like people that do terrible things chances are they're not like well i would argue that there's no per like Every person that breaks the law or, or like steals or kills or like pretty Whatever. much every single one of them is, is a victim. Yes, exactly. 
Um, I mean, the most extreme example uh, is um, uh, uh, like child predators, right? Basically, where it's like uh, they are the most hated people on the planet, understandably so, right? Um, however, you have to realize like how how did they get there? Much of a hell you'd be. How, yeah, what kind of hell would you have to live in if you were attracted to young children? <laughs> like, like, obviously, acting on those impulses is terrible. Yeah. Um, but like they're they're a victim of like a serious like sexual, um, deviancy and like disease. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, like products of their environment from usually, what they grew up in. Yeah, it usually stems from from being a victim of some kind of um abuse. And that's true of drug addicts as well. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people that abuse, especially like heroin and, and fentanyl and that kind of stuff, almost always stems from history of abuse mm -hmm. um, and trying to escape that the, the pain, right? Um, but yeah, that basically like, like all people are, I, like I, I can't really, I, I don't think they can really be, blamed necessarily and so they're i think changing that view and, and uh one 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 of the things that um bothers me a lot about the current system that is in charge of of you know the current Everything. criminal system yeah is that uh well it's called the criminal justice system right mm -hmm. i think the word justice the word justice is just a nice word for revenge yeah right it's a way it's punishment right or bringing mm -hmm. people to um you know seeking justice the idea of like this family needs justice they they're they the criminal needs to be brought to justice right like well I, I, really you're just looking for revenge you want this person to be punished yeah for what they did to your family member um and again understandably so like it, it makes sense to have those emotions but like prison needs to be a place of healing and getting people and rehabilitation mm -hmm. um and it with the exception of if there are people that are just so dangerous um that they cannot be part of civilization anymore they have to be locked up and kept separate mm -hmm. um but i think that's actually pretty rare yeah and i think even at that point there is an argument and, to be made that they shouldn't those be cases, like they'll just you know trapped in hell you know yeah that's right i think they should be treated just as anybody would you know they should be ha they should still have a way of ha having a fulfilling life they just can't be with civilization because they're too dangerous mm -hmm. they have to be locked up and, and maintained by the state or whatever right they can still have crafts and write and play video games maybe contribute to society even like there's a lot of people in yeah, prison maybe that give them yeah, give them some stuff. kind of you know job small job or whatever and hell they can work resume mm -hmm. really the one thing i would disagree <laughs> personally and i think you maybe just like also agree because that's what you said before but is like i think i think people so i think it depends on like through the eyes of somebody looking at somebody that is a child predator or whatever i would say that's a victim of their of their environment right but if i was that person with my mindset i would try to take ownership still and be like like you can either be a victim right of your circumstances and just oh poor me poor me poor me i'm like this be and you're blaming those things you're not trying to do anything or if you take ownership and you're trying to actually be a better person 
you can still be a victim of your environment, but you're you're not choosing to be a victim yourself, right? Like you're going, you're you're like for example, like if something happens to me, somebody be like, oh man, that's so unlucky. Like I'm so like you just got owned by the system or whatever. However, I would take the stance where it's like no. Like, I'm not going to choose because if I choose to believe that, then that means there's nothing that I could have done or changed or do anything to prevent it. And I don't believe that's true in any case. I think that I think there's always a way that I could grow from the situation. I think there's always a way that I could maybe prevent it in the first place had I known what I, you know, you know, after the event or whatever. Uh, I think there's like and that is not a victim mindset. Right. So I think there's a there's looking at people as victims is okay, But if they don't ever see themselves as anything but a victim, that's how you get trapped in those very negative life cycles. Right. But I think even the ability for you to think that way is likely a result of your environment and your genetics. Okay. very true. Very true. I think um, like anybody can be taught or well, maybe not anybody, but most people can be taught to think that way. I, I would agree with that because I definitely learned to, with, to think like that. Often has to do with your your upbringing and and how open minded you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's probably also like like some events. So like for example, my infatuation with self help and just like money finances and all that kind of stuff. There's nobody in my family that is like that, right? And so where, like what like and for me it was just like I don't even know where it came. Like honestly, the the when I first really recognized that I could make some money was when I was like in grade ten, uh, grade like nine. And I was like just at this lake with this with a family of our family friends of ours, uh, you know them. And uh, we were just chatting. He's like, "Oh man, I got a job." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "He's like, yeah, man, I'm making like seven dollars an hour." And I was like, "Dude, that is insane! Like that's so much money." And then ever since then, I was just like, "How do I make money?" And that's what like that deviated my path from like my mm-hmm. genetics, you know? Because after, like if I never did that, I would just be the exact same person yeah. that I learned oh, that's from. Right. Yeah, that's why I, I mean, I always say it's it's an interaction, right? It's your genetics and your experiences. So, I mean, you had that experience. Yes. Um, you know, and people, that's probably... people have, every single experience you have dictates mm-hmm. your actions. And that's probably an argument as to why very successful people also have very successful kids is because they're able to put themselves in so many positive opportunity win- windows. And a lot of people attribute that to just being lucky, but at the same time, you also see those kids that are a victim of that environment themselves and they're just spoiled brats that don't want to do anything they're entitled because they just feel yeah. that they deserve everything so it's very yeah. it's very interesting how like you can do that and it's it's actually almost kind of sad because if you if you're like a multi-billionaire the wrong way in my opinion to raise your kids is to give them everything you know so it's like you almost oh, yeah. need them to be like it's like yeah we have all this money but <laughs> you you're never gonna see any of it you know mm-hmm. or like only for the right reasons mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely um yeah no raising kids is a whole <laughs> another thing yeah <laughs> but um yeah I, I don't know it's a it's something to think about just whenever you see anybody i, I mean i also anytime i see homeless people it's the same kind of thing i'm just like mm, you have like so many experiences that... yeah like how did you get to the place that you're in right now yeah. that's what i like i'm just like let man even like just talking to the girls or anybody like i find jobs and just like i'm just like man what why did you choose the path you're on like oh that's so interesting like how did that happen to you like how did you get there you know it's i love that kind of stuff yeah that's why i like reading yeah, audio, not, autobiographies or whatever saw a really cool um video the other day on i think it was it was either sweden or den maybe it was denmark um on their prison system oh it's like amazing 
it's like it's like a rehab like it actually is for getting people back into the system yeah they don't even have like jail cells right they're just like bedrooms and stuff and their guards are like actually like their roommates they just like hang out and they make their all their own food they have a fridge and a like they just have like all those like employees and stuff they're not really supposed to leave (laughs) yeah um and yeah i mean like i think in well you maybe you can speak more to it but like you're not treated particularly well um when you are the wrong or whatever you know yeah like i think and i think that just breeds more problems yeah and and the real unfortunate part is like i don't believe the u.s or anywhere that practices the traditional way of prison systems can just switch either because like you you can't just bring sweden's or Denmark, wherever it was, their system and put it in the U.S. because then all of a sudden that's not going to work and then they're going to blame, oh, this doesn't work. But no, you can't just take these people that you've essentially turned into like animals mm-hmm. and then say, okay, now you guys are going to have like, like, you just cannot do that because you've made them a product of their environment. Yeah. So it's so sad when you when you understand that you're just like, oh my God, like there is no proper yeah, the, path out yeah, of what, this. What they have created is so much worse than... <laughs> they started with yeah like when you when you look at the prison system now and the stats show you that when you go to prison chances are you come out a worse person and you're going to end up even for like even the fact that you you go to prison and you in order to survive you have to break the law which in turn gets you a worse sentence that is just so messed up you know how can you possibly be yeah or, or better? i mean the fact that the prison system makes you less employable Right. I mean, it should it yeah. should be that you go into prison and then you come out more employable. Yeah, right? the, the system better, is set up such a... that you come out, you have to maintain a job, but you cannot drive, you cannot do this, and you cannot do this, and nowhere wants to hire you. So you're already in violation of your parole just by breathing. <laughs> you're just like, how does this yeah. work? It's like if this person was driven to criminal activity out of necessity before. <laughs> Try layering another filter yeah. on top of that. Try making it impossible for them to get any kind of legitimate work now. <laughs> yeah, and then it just and then on top of that, we'll just let it follow you forever. Like <laughs> nothing yeah. you do will ever. You'll always be a criminal. It's like, damn, that sucks. Yeah, I definitely I, like. I think I learned a lot also having um, a younger sister that that is incapable of seeing her role in anything. Right. Um, and like trying to like I've I. The amount of time I could I would spend like trying to like help her reason out. with her or, like try to get her to see one particular like see some kind of point or see her mm-hmm. role right, but it's like it's physically impossible for yeah. Um, and I think that like that just to me I I realize that a huge number of the people that have these types of problems are the ones in prison system or in yeah or addicted to drugs and and people that that cannot um. Like they're, they just cannot view themselves as being in a part of the problem. They can't see themselves as anything but a victim, and they're not willing to even exactly understand yeah. how they could and even I, make a difference. But I, I don't think they actually ever could not see themselves as a victim, even with like a hundred. You know, even if they spent as much time with a therapist or a, mm. you know, psychologist and psychiatrist, um, they never will. Like it's I don't necessarily believe do that. I would say that it's very high chance of it not happening, but I would not say it's impossible. Like I think it would be the same similar as if you look at an alcoholic, 
they never call themselves not an alcoholic. They're just a recovering alcoholic for the rest of their life. But they're yeah. no longer a victim of being like they have some of the bad qualities for sure but they're not the same thing right yeah i'm I'm more talking about like being born um a particular way right right like with like people that have like conduct disorder right okay yeah yeah. um, like people that are mentally like actual disorders and i think i think that actually is the majority of these people right well maybe not the majority but a huge portion are people that have um attentional disorders Mm -hmm. or um mood disorders yeah, or some kind um, of like that, like that actual that genuinely impairs them very true and in that case i would say that they're yeah they're just not like they just don't have the same equipment to even be playing the same game essentially yeah and uh, that being uh, that also being said it, it's not necessarily just genetic i think it, there's also um critical periods in the same way that you learn if you don't learn to speak by the time you're like six or whatever you can't learn right um i think there's that sort of critical period as well in terms of critical thinking and um, being able to to take ownership over certain right. ideas. Like I think some people are just raised in an environment where that never comes up and then they never learn how to think that way. Yeah, that, that, and that could very well be the case. I, I could definitely see that for sure. And I think that that's potentially a problem with, you know, um, if, I don't know, families that have uh, problems with um, legal activity. Like if your dad is a criminal and then you're a criminal and or you know like any kind of like mm-hmm. familial or environmental criminality um it can often be a, like a cultural problem or a, or just like a problem of being raised that same that environment. way yeah, you your, your values aren't the same yeah yeah and that certainly is more difficult to have a solution for right um <laughs> in terms of uh like the prison system and stuff but Locked again up. these people i, I in my view, every single one of these people are a victim of circumstance. Mm-hmm. I I would agree with that. I think and, it's whether or not they decide to, and, or whether or not they can, I guess, right, based on the mental faculties, understand that they can or maybe even try to change sort of thing. Yeah. Basically, like, I mean, being able to plead insanity, right? It's like, yeah. basically, I think pretty much anybody could. Oh, for sure. Maybe not, maybe, but not by that, by that measure maybe they're not psychopaths but there's some kind of motivation that was not endogenous yeah like like you'd be like look at like i'll show you exactly how we got here you know we're in this courtroom i'll show you exactly how we got here okay mom dad (laughs) broke up fighting dad's in jail like you know like it's like man how are you expected to and and you have to raise your brothers and sisters you know you have to keep Mm -hmm. food on the table or else you're gonna die Okay, well, you're two years old or five years old. That's a bad example. Two, you can't do anything. Five, it's like, okay, well, the only way you can't get a job, so you're gonna go steal some food, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, that's not allowed. But yeah. you know, you're you're you can't have to survive. So it's like, what the hell? Yeah, how how can you view theft as being a bad thing if it's the only thing that you can survive on? Or you know, I mean, or or just if you're in an environment that values that, you know, yeah. if you're if you're in an environment where it's cool um, to steal. Working a steady, yeah, working a steady job is just super. I mean, it's essentially culturally frowned upon. Yeah, and you're gonna view it that way, and you're gonna go out and do illegal things. No, for sure. Um, I did want to ask you. We we kind of segued a bit off. I should have jumped in, but it was a good conversation. I think that we just had. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so one of the things that I've been kind of like working on, and I was actually talking with Austin just just before, but um, 
you know part of the journaling stuff like that is like like how do you celebrate your wins like do you give your time to like actually like for example that thing that that you won uh you know i could tell that you're pretty pumped and like obviously you were giving yourself like like the time you're just like man this is awesome but do you do you find that like you celebrate a lot of small wins or do you find that it's usually just like every so often something good will happen you'll be like yeah this is awesome like how do you do it mm, good question like, or do I you think... at all because i know a lot of people that like i didn't celebrate any of my wins no matter what i would do it was just okay on to the next project and like really right. hurts the self-worth yeah i i would say i probably celebrate small wins regularly um you have any examples or like how would you celebrate it sort of thing because i'm interested in my own yeah so so it's funny because different people have different ideas about what that what that means for so sure. I, I i get why you're saying that um for me it's like uh maybe going out for dinner um it's hard to do right now but mm -hmm. that like i mean that's that's also because growing up we never went out for dinner yeah we never went out for breakfast so like when we did it was like a magical experience and I've, <laughs> yeah. carried, I've carried that into adulthood where like just going through mcdonald's drive-thru for me is still like so exciting Hella nice yeah exactly I'm so, i get so exciting we're so excited about it but i, I know uh i i uh i went to work and and uh, one of my colleagues was had heard about the fact that i won and he was just like Oh man, it's so exciting! Like, what are you gonna do? I I, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's kind of doesn't even feel real. He's like, yeah, you gotta go. Like, go get wasted, man. <laughs> You're like, why? I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, that's not how I do it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the last thing I want to do if I like have a big intellectual win is going. Yeah, go and like <laughs> end up on the news for something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> go and get hammered. Um, yeah, no, for the most part, I just, uh, like my lab, obviously everybody was very, very supportive and, and told me, um, congratulations, everybody saying congratulations. And, um, I still can't announce it on any kind of social right. media or anything. And I probably won't. Um, yeah. no, I definitely won't. You're not the I don't, type of person I would do that anyway. I don't use social media, <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I guess it's it's tough. Cause I, like for me, it it was exciting just to call all my family and yeah. tell people, right? Yeah, and that um, in so itself that, is I mean, giving yourself permission to, the, to feel the win, right? Exactly. I think to me, like that, like just doing things like yeah, basically telling everybody how exciting it is, and then um and going out for dinner or something mm -hmm. or, or ordering in. Or... So that is that um, is on a more like I'm going to throw out the word like obvious win here, but do you do anything kind of like in the day to day where, where you have like a small thing that you, that you can recognize? Like for example, last night, yesterday I had, and this is, this is like an example of like how I'm working on it. So yesterday I spent six hours trying to solve this thing and I was beating my head against the wall and I was finally fixed it. And my self-conscious would just want to be like, sweet, let's just move on to the next thing. But then I was like, wait, no, I, I'm going to like take the second and just be like, man, good fucking job. You know, like, and I've never, I, like, I, that's what I have to get better at. So I'm wondering if you do a thing that maybe you don't even realize you're doing, uh, you know, because of the substance of my growing up, uh, the praise and all that kind of stuff wasn't always there sort of thing. And so mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, like, if you have a similar experience or if you do something that you maybe have to think about or something like that. 
Right. Hmm. Like if you if you were to solve like some stupid thing at work or like you were to like get all of your uh experiments done for the weekend, are you just like, yes, I did that? Or are you just like, okay, I'm going to go home and just, you know, or are you like, oh, I'm going to go home and watch a movie now because I'm done my work? Like even that, you know? Right. Um, I definitely do that. <laughs> um, I definitely use laziness as a motivator. Okay. <laughs> which it's probably not the healthiest, but I do like getting all my work done so that, that I can just do nothing. <laughs> right. Um, uh, and in the moment, I, it depends. If there's somebody there, then I'll, I'll be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Hell okay. yeah. We just, we did it. Um, but if I'm alone, probably not. I probably, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily, like, I might say like, yeah, in my head. But, but. even, so, okay, so I guess even if you feel proud of it, that would be a, a subconscious way of feeling that you you won. Like, like yeah, the, depending yeah, on what yeah, it is, I, I would definitely feel proud of, about certain things. The biggest thing um, that I, I'm struggling with now is no matter how big or small the project is, there's so many things in my life where I'm just like, this is just a task to check off. But right. then I don't give myself the permission to be like, wait, that was actually a really hard thing that we just did. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, like my counselor was, was saying, cause I was like, man, why do I pick things up for like 30 days and then just like quit it? Like, why do I play guitar hard for like three weeks and then just stop or study for like a day and I just like, fuck it, you know, or start a project and kill it. He's like, you probably aren't celebrating like any of the small stuff. And I was like, damn, that's a, that's an interesting, like I, I definitely am not because at work it's like, I got a list of 50 things to do and none of them are treated as wins. It's just stuff that I have to do. So it's like, how can I be motivated to do it again if I'm not seeing any kind of progress? So it's been a very interesting mindset shift over the past like week or two. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's weird for me because my big wins and my small wins, I almost celebrate identically. Like, which I think is also good. I think just the fact that you're so? acknowledging it is, is right. like, like just the fact that you are, if you acknowledge that, yes, I did something and yes, I did it well, or yes, I did it up. I think that's all that really matters. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's even more healthy to do it on a smaller scale than it is just to wait for that every big one. Because like me, you'd get into a position where it's like, like for example, if I want to learn Neon by John Mayer, and that was the only success criteria. Well, even the fact that I have to learn bar chords, even the fact that I have to learn how to play a pattern with my left hand, da, 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 none of that matters if I don't get that end goal. right? Mm -hmm. And that's a very unhealthy way of looking at it in my point of view, because that song is incredibly hard to play. So how do you keep yourself motivated along the way? And so instead, my counselor was like, okay, well, every single time you learn a new guitar shape, like, dude, just mm. be like, fuck yeah, I know how to do this now, right? And it's not like you have to be like, we're going fucking dinner, like I played to play a bar chord, you know? But it's just like literally just acknowledging it, taking a second to be like, I couldn't do this, and now I can, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's also probably the worst song to try to learn. <laughs> well, in any song, right? Like, that was a, so an example. Hard. But um, in any song, like, it's just, or any any activity even, and if you don't do that, I, I maybe maybe give it a shot because like it's it actually if like the past week it has been so much like I don't know, just like more I'm just I feel like I'm doing a lot more productivity. Now the ironic thing is in if a month I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, it's like little little hacks like that. I'm just like, damn. Yeah. That's that's interesting where that came from and how that how that might work. Yeah. I probably haven't like acknowledged certain things that were pretty big deals <laughs> like um like getting I, like i have two undergrads and i didn't go to either of the right yeah see that's uh, that's interesting to me like that kind of stuff because well because like when i 
for my my second undergrad here it just felt like i was checking something off to get to mm-hmm. grad school yeah and, and i was so See, that's that's very it. similar to what then, i thought i really should have like I, I mean i did celebrate getting into grad school but i probably could have made a bigger deal out of it mm-hmm. um considering how much i stressed over it like and how much work went into it yeah like getting in it should have been like feeling it well or or just you know just recently winning this yeah massive scholarship it's like winning the lottery and i i don't feel really any different today yeah. than i did a few weeks ago before i had it i i challenge so, you then over which, and i think i think that is also though that is um a good life lesson that even with these huge things that can happen to you you will go back to baseline mm-hmm. happiness like your baseline, like that, it doesn't really matter. Your experiences don't really affect that baseline. And so what does affect that baseline is very much your own responsibility and your own, your um, own happiness. Like how that, that's yeah. the going back to that quote, I accept this or something better, right? It's like, yeah. my life is awesome as it is. If I won this massive scholarship, man, that would be awesome, you know, but I yeah. don't need yeah. that. I'm not going to bank my entire life on that. Right. And I, I think, um, I mean, it kind of contradicts what I was saying before about experiences defining you. I mean, they certainly do, but there is something special about like meditation and and these sort of like closed loop experiences from within, where you mm-hmm. can kind of build certain feelings and and um, experience them, change the way your brain. Ex- it, I mean, it's changing the way your brain experiences those experiences. Yeah, and it's an experience itself, so it's <laughs> you're getting into these weird looping. Uh, territory but um well that's those types of things can actually make your baseline better yeah oh definitely and 100%. actually there was a there was a guy on joe rogan a long time ago um i don't remember what his name was but he was like a one of these ultra athlete guys he had um he's like sailed through this like part of the antarctic or some shit hmm. really dangerous thing but i think i've heard of um and it, it Basically, the guy was just saying that he, his his biggest fear was living his life. But like, if you thought of like ten being like ultimate euphoria and zero being like absolute hell, like living between like a like a five and seven, yeah, which is like basically what most people try to do is just try to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, I mean, his philosophy was that you cannot experience a nine or ten unless you've experienced a zero or one, you know, yeah. or one or yeah, two. Yeah, very true. Like, unless you've gone through hell, you can't experience paradise. And uh, I'd agree with that. Like mm-hmm. you need to have extremely um, arduous uh, experiences to really appreciate the goods in life. And yeah, well, I mean, look at, look at the billionaire. I, kids. I felt that even. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I've, I've felt that even recently where after a long day of, of work with a mask on, you come outside and you take it off and you're like, holy shit, I love breathing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or you're sick and you can't breathe out <laughs> your like, nostril. Man, I yeah, like man, I could, I did not ever appreciate how much, how good it feels to breathe fresh air, yeah. un like without anything blocking my nose. Yeah, no doubt. It's a um, that whole thing that you mentioned about like experiencing kind of that meditation state or whatever. That's a really common thing in counseling. Is like you you get the person like really relaxed or whatever. And then you tell them to like go back to, so for example, if they're, if, if you're like, oh man, why am I feeling so mad? 
right? Then counsel be like, okay, I just like breathe, close your eyes, da, da, da. where is this coming from? Like, what is the first thing you think about when you, when you get this mad? And it's like generally some kind of built up childhood thing. And what they'll do is they'll essentially like walk you through because it's like it's like in every person there's like the little kid version of you right and the way that you interpret that because your conscious is always run by that whole thing right your conscious is essentially the little version of you everything that happens in your life from like zero to like eight is like the most important things in your life essentially and so through like the meditation and just kind of like breathing and like putting yourself back in that position you can deal with it in a different way and like you experienced it and your brain doesn't really know because your brain is experiencing that anxiety as if it was happening now right like that's what anxiety is it's like you're you're perceiving that you're in danger so if you can put yourself back into that position but in today's world with your brain and all the stuff that you know now and somebody's like walking through like oh this wasn't actually your fault or they didn't actually do this to you the way that you thought this was is not the case like it's it's a way of like dealing with like trauma and stuff like that which is super interesting to me mm-hmm. it works really well um but the one thing i was gonna say to you and this is something that i just did like yesterday but was you should challenge yourself uh, to just kind of like, like write down maybe some of the big things that you like, you know, like your undergrad and all that kind of stuff on like a journal or something like that. And then just like, honestly, just like take a step back in your brain and just be like, man, I did all that. Like, like look at how much I've accomplished. Right. Cause like I did yeah. that and I was just like, I was like, I was almost got emotional. I was like, holy shit. Like, like if you slow down and smell the roses, it's like, like, damn, look at all the things that I created and like the things that I just breeze right past it's like those are all huge accomplishments like the person i am today was the person i was like dreaming about trying to become like when i was entering like programming school right it's like i mm-hmm. want to be a programmer it's like now i am and i don't even give myself the time to like be like hey man congratulations like we are you know yeah so it's yeah i mean look like i i definitely get that feeling if i look over my cv yeah um because yeah i mean you, you look at a paper and you you know you see a list of papers and that like I remember what it was like before having any of those things. Like I, I remember um, before coming to Guelph and, you know, my resume had basically nothing on it Yeah. <laughs> um, and just being like, man, I feel like shit. I feel mm-hmm. like I haven't accomplished anything. And how like in just a few years, I've, I have like multiple pages of really mm-hmm. great stuff. And your new normal um, now is just like, it's like, oh, I have all this, like whatever, you know, but it's yeah. like, it's like, go back to like when you were just completing your first final exam, like in university and just like how mm-hmm. much you're probably stressing about it. And then just like, you're like, man, I beat the shit out of that. And, and then just like do that for every single thing. Be like, whoa, look at how, like, isn't this crazy? And you'll, you'll find like a new, it'll just, I don't know. You just feel better. You'll just be like, damn, like <laughs> you get less imposter syndrome almost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, that is one thing that, that winning awards like this, uh, certainly helps with is yeah, for it, sure it feels like it, it uh, it's validating validation very yeah. validating yeah um yeah yeah that's definitely oh actually another uh interesting thing that just happened recently was like i got like a surprise new another paper out of some work i did a long time ago um in another lab like i i would i just helped out with some experiments with kratom right um and we didn't really get any results but it's being included in the paper that they have been working cool. on for a long time. So I got to be an author on this paper that I had nothing to do with pretty much. That's awesome. Um, it just got submitted. I don't, like, I'm sure it'll go through a couple rounds of reviews or whatever, but that's cool. I was just like, damn, I just got another paper for like almost no work. And it was just came out of nowhere. Really well, think cool. about how many more of those you're going to have in the, ne- like if you're to stay in research for like the next 10 years, 
like that's just gonna like compound you know just like random things that you've touched here and there eventually like oh yeah you're like whoa when when you're as like a as like a principal investigator everything you touch <laughs> like you're an author on right which is good if it's all great um, but as soon as there's a bad thing understood it's like all, all yeah. your work is shit now that's true I, I, yeah but yeah basically like call every one of your collaborations becomes a paper right so yeah. if you just collaborate here 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 and uh like i've definitely felt that where like i don't even know a couple of the people on my papers because yeah. <laughs> they did pretty minimal stuff somewhere else and yeah that, no, that's really know, cool got added into the Good paper you. but yeah because i know at one point in your life you're probably thinking like man i would love to be on one of these you know, I'd love to. How do I even do that? Yeah, to be a published and, and now it just happens to you yeah, exactly. without any sort of <laughs> just randomly. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. Like that's cool. That's a, that's um, a, that's a celebration. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of. I mean, exactly. That's. So, I mean, that's sort of like the metric I would say, like to be a scientist or to be to be in the field that you studied in, right? Because a lot of people they'll they'll graduate with a degree in neuroscience and they'll be like, I'm a neuroscientist. Yeah. Um, but. You really, I mean, if you're not published, you haven't really contributed to neuroscience. You're not, I wouldn't say you're a scientist. Same with philosophy. I think you're not a philosopher unless you've published some philosophy. Yeah, unless you, unless you put your um, opinion out there and have it, you know, it's like, yeah, we're all. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a journal. It could be, it could be, you know, YouTube video or something, but something, anything. Yeah, people have to have seen your stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, it, I don't know. It's really cool to, again with because this is on scratum it's just like another type of it's another thing that my name's on yeah um with another drug right it's like now i can i feel like i can <laughs> you know talk about kratom with a little bit more <laughs> yeah um as long as you don't let it get to your more... head you know because then that's toxic <laughs> yeah yeah of course <laughs> of course i am course. actually an expert on <laughs> Yeah, I'm a I'm, I'm a kratom researcher. I'm a published kratom so... researcher. Put yeah. in all of your sub like your uh uh subscription no signatures and all of your emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I don't know. It feels like you get to have a little bit more authority on certain things. Oh, definitely. Um, obviously, nicotine is my like specialty, but I've got published stuff on THC and alcohol and kratom and sponsored by cigarettes. Sponsored by uh, Jewel. Yeah, Jewel. <laughs> Thanks, Jewel, for you imagine uh, we both just get boxes pods. of pods that are <laughs> just like, man, we don't use this. Yeah, um, it's actually it's funny, like, because I have to fill out expense forms anytime I buy something, right? So, like, I had to produce all this like cigarette smoke extract, so I had to like try to get the school to pay for cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's for research, I <laughs> yeah. swear. I bet you you're not even the like. There's probably got to be some weird research going on, you know. Maybe oh, yeah. not at your school, but like at definitely some. They're just like, yes, we definitely needed ten of these massive dildos. Like that is the thing that we need. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we have like a volcano in our like we have all sorts of vaporizers and stuff that would have had to have been right gone through the school payment system. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, I'm sorry. Why do you need to buy all this? Drug paraphernalia. Like you wouldn't understand. <laughs> research. It would be even weirder to like find like the people that need to go contact like creators of new drugs like LSD or something like that. They're just like, yeah, uh, we we found this like hippie and uh, we need to write him like an an invoice because he's selling us <laughs> you know some yeah. LSD. Well, actually, uh, yeah, Albert Hoffman, the guy that invented LSD, um, and. Uh, psilocybin as well. He discovered both of them. Wow. 
um, same time on the same night. He, or or he uh, isolated them, I guess. Right. Oh, I mean, he, I mean, he discovered LSD because he accidentally like touched some pure LSD, and LSD oh, is I uh, did hear really that, unique actually. because you only need like a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit for it to be active in your brain. Like it's a, it's super concentrated. Like you, right. you don't need much. I like fentanyl. It's such like a very, very powerful substance. Um, but he had a trip. He tripped like accidentally. Uh. Um, and <laughs> right, and like afterwards, he was like, "That was crazy!" And like, I just discovered something really amazing. And so he like purposely took some more, and then took like like a dose that is like unheard of high, <laughs> uh, and and had like the first really bad trip. Um, but what's funny is like he's he's a big promoter of lsd and psilocybin and, and goes to these like pretty like hippie con uh conferences and stuff yeah. like he's like their savior like he's <laughs> he's become this like cult leader like figure um but he's still like a pretty respectable scientist right i mean obviously he was a really amazing chemist to isolate those compounds no doubt um and the fact that he did he got both of them like both psilocybin and lsd are, like those are the two biggest psychedelics Nuts. yeah no that's uh that's that's freaky <laughs> i couldn't imagine yeah it'd be like okay let's do this again <laughs> i guess like let's just make a shitload more of it <laughs> and then we'll he's he's also just like well i guess we'll have to see where the ceiling is i'll just drink this whole bottle of lsd it just <laughs> disappears from time and space itself <laughs> yeah he probably still doesn't even think he's on like planet earth like he's probably still coming down from it <laughs> yeah maybe uh, any any other comments? I wrap this up pretty quick. Any, any finishing thoughts? Finishing thoughts. Take um, back the the the, the uh, takeaways. This is important. It does any callbacks, apologies, or compliments. <laughs> so anything you want to take back, Jude, from this podcast? I think you want to take back. Hmm. Good question. And it could be like uh, they they do it like superficially. They'd be like, oh, I take back that I made fun of of Jude's bald. Okay, I take back that I said. Jude should chrome dome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also compliment you on your chrome dome. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I don't know. And I apologize for all those that are said, systems. Yeah, any any insensitivity towards people with um, disabilities or like learning disabilities or anything like that? Um, any, uh, yeah, any... If there was any un uncarefulness or insensitivities in language, I'd, I'd just apologize for that. Yep, we apologize for that. Nice. I think we should do that every, every time. We'll just be like <laughs> every uh, time. Yeah. Any, any take backs, like callbacks, or compliments? Take backs. We should just have like yeah. we should just have a series of apologies at the <laughs> end. Every time, just like, just like a, a it'll be like a seven-minute video, of just like <laughs> going up the that's screen. Right. Word by word, apologies. Well, that's all on. <gasps> The Jude, the Jude and Ty podcast. podcast. You're getting better.